Thank you for joining our podcast from New Life Church Greenbrier. If you're joining us for the first time, we would love to know about it. Just text Greenbrier to 88000 and fill out one of our Connect cards. Now, let's listen in to today's message. Well, good morning, New Life Church. You know what I just realized? There were more lies just told in church than there ever has been <laughs> before today. Thanks a lot, Garth. You set everybody up for failure, right? Hey, let me tell you something that I learned this weekend that before we jump into today's message, that's very valuable, okay? Uh, what I learned was just because you were indecent, what's up, Tate? How are you, my friend? Gosh, I love you, dude. Just because you were in good shape six months or a year ago, did you know it doesn't mean that you're in shape? today? Let me tell you how I know this. I, and I know, I don't need any sarcastic remarks, Kevin, because I know you're fixing to have one, but I like to work out. I know you can't tell from looking, but I do. I I enjoy working out. And, um, but man, the last, the last five or six months, I just haven't had a whole lot of time to work out. But one of the ways that I enjoy working out is riding a mountain bike. Does anybody like to ride mountain bikes? Just going, we need to get, we need to do that, man. We need to do that. Um, But I thought, well, I'm just going to get in a quick workout before I start studying for today's message. Yesterday, this was yesterday. So I got out my mountain bike, just like I have many times, went to the same place that I've been many times. And I used to, everybody knows where Woolly Hollow is, just up the street, you know? Well, they have a mountain bike trail. And I don't know how long it is. How was it? About three miles, 30 miles? I don't know. Um, Anyway, so I got on my bike, same way I've gotten on the bike many times. And I started this hill. I used to. I could, I could ride that trail, never really stop. You know, it would be a good workout. I stopped five times yesterday. I thought I was going to die. If I'd have had a cell phone, I would have called somebody to come medevac me off of that hill. It was terrible. Let me, let me tell you what I felt God showed me at that moment. We can't depend on last year's training to get through today's obstacles. And the same thing holds true with our spiritual walk with God. We need a fresh anointing daily. Amen? Let me pray for you and we'll jump into this message. Father God, I thank you so much for today. I thank you for every person that's sitting in every seat in this house. And God, I just, I ask today that you speak to us. That it comes straight from you. That it's not from some preacher or some pastor standing on the stage, Father. But that you speak, that your Holy Spirit speaks to the heart of every person in this room. And God, we need you. We need you in our country. We need you in our schools. We need you in our homes. We need you in our marriages. We need you in every area of our life. But Father, I believe that you have something for someone today from this message, from this passage of Scripture that you have created, that you have brought them here for this moment, for this time. So Father, just soften the hearts and open the ears of each one of us in this room. It is in Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said... Oh, come on, y'all can do better than that. Everybody said? All right, I'm ready to preach a little bit this morning. How many of you have ever heard of the story of Jonah? Now, whether you grew up in church or not, you've probably heard about the story of Jonah. The thing about it is, Jonah has very little to do with a big fish and everything to do with a big God. You see, Jonah, if, if you read through this passage of Scripture, you'll see that the fish is only mentioned four times through this passage. Um, the city is mentioned nine times, Nineveh. Jonah is mentioned 18 times, but God is mentioned 38 times through this study. You see, Jonah's not the hero of this story. God is. 
And the more that I study the life of Jonah, the more that I understand, the more that I come to the realization that I'm more like Jonah than I would probably like to admit. In fact, we all have a little Jonah in us, don't we? How many of you have ever run from God before? Bunch of heathens. We've all ran from God at some point in our life. I know I have. Man, I ran hard for a season of my life. But how many of you are thankful for a God of second chances? You see, he's got that same second chance for each one of us today. I mentioned last weekend something that my pastor, Pastor Rick Bazette, he's the founding pastor of New Life Church. If you're new here, we have 18 campuses around the state. He's been my pastor for 22 years now. But he shared something with our staff a couple of weeks ago, and I even mentioned it in my message last weekend, but I believe it needs repeating. He was on a sabbatical. He took a sabbatical. He's having some problems with his voice, and he said he felt while he was on that sabbatical that, that God revealed to him that his people not Pastor Rick's people. They're not his people anyway. God's people had lost the fear of the Lord. And I'm going to tell you, when he said that, man, it hit me because it's true. It's so true. You know, for us to understand what a healthy fear of the Lord is, we need to first understand what fear of the Lord is not, right? A fear of the Lord is not walking out of here being afraid that God's about to strike you with lightning because you stepped off the path. That's, that's not fear the Lord. It's not being scared of God. It's not. No, fear of the Lord is a sense of awe. It's a sense of awe that causes continual submission to God. It's just a reverence that we have for the Lord. But we can get busy with life and, and careers can get in the way and work can get in the way. And before we know it, then we've lost that sense of awe for God and we start gaining a sense of awe for us. We have to be careful there. You know, we discussed too, how do you know if you're starting to lose that fear of the Lord? Like, how do you know? Like, is there a thermo thermostat for that? Is there like a thermometer? Is there a test we can take? Let me give you a test. It's when you start getting flippant around the things of God. It's like salvations and baptism. It's just something that they do at church. It's huge. We had a man give his life to the Lord the first service. That's a great place to give God a hand. That's powerful. Do you know all of heaven rejoices when one sinner turns from his sin? Man, that's huge. But we get in a routine and we just come to church. Worship just becomes something that they do on Sunday mornings. Sing a few songs, check a box, drop a few coins in the offering bucket, check a box. No, it's, you can't get flippant around the things of God. Another good indicator is if you notice that pride's starting to creep in. Anybody ever dealt with pride? Well, you people are pretty good. I have. When we start seeing pride move into our life, and we start thinking, man, we, I should get more recognition for that. I, sh I should get more opportunities. I, I deserve this. I deserve that. You, start, you see where I'm going with this? You see, pride start creeping in. These are all great indicators. I believe it's the most dangerous place we can be as the body of Christ. You know, Jonah was a prophet, and he loved the Lord more than anything. But one day, something changed. Then something happened. He began to love sin more than he loved God. 
Some would say, well, was it truly sin? Yes, he's running from God. So yes, it was sin. He made a decision, just as we all have a choice to make a decision. We all have a decision. You have a decision to make if you come to church on Sunday. But you also have a decision to make whether you're going to follow what God has called you to do. Are you guys with me? One day, Jonah made the decision that his way was better than God's way. But the other thing that we learned that was so valuable last weekend is when we run from God, it's going to cost us something. It's actually going to cost you more than you expect to pay, and it'll take you further than you've ever wanted to go. It always does. And when you choose to run from the Lord, your choice is always. Everybody say always. You know what always means? Always. It always affects those who are closest to you. Every time. And I've heard people say, well, no, it's my life. I'll do with it what I want to. I'm the only one it's affecting. You're wrong. You're wrong. Because our choices affect everyone around us, especially those that love us. Especially those that are closest to us. Our children, it affects us. It affects them. Your spouse, it affects them. Your mom, your dad, it affects them. But the good news is, God gives us a second chance. How many of you are thankful for second chances? I know I am. Let's go back to Jonah chapter 1, and I want to set up today's teaching a little bit, but I want to review last week just really quick. Jonah chapter 1, verses 1 through 3, it says, Now the word of the Lord came to Jonah, the son of Amittai, saying, Arise, go to Nineveh, what? That great city. Don't you love the fact that God sees beyond our sin? He didn't identify Nineveh. This place was wicked, y'all. I mean, it's a bad place. It's bad news. Y'all wouldn't go there to eat lunch, I promise. But God didn't see them based on their sin. Now, he knew, he recognized their sin, but he didn't identify them based on their sin. He tells Jonah, and cry out against it, for their wickedness has come up before me. But Jonah arose to flee to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. He went down to Joppa and found a ship going to Tarshish. Somebody said that must be where they named Worcestershire sauce. So he paid the fare. Listen to me. When you make a decision to run from the Lord, there's always going to be a fee to pay. And somebody's going to have to pay it every time. Unfortunately, a lot of times the payment starts with your family. And went down into it to go to them, with them to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. The trajectory that we read about from Jonah is more than just his geographical direction or the direction he's headed into. It's the direction his life is headed so chapter 1, we see the call. First of all, there's a call. There's a call on each one of our lives. God has a plan and a purpose for everyone that's here today. You have a call and a calling on your life. Jonah, too, had a calling. But then we see the next step, the refusal to obey God. We each have a choice to make whether we're going to obey God or whether we're going to refuse the calling that he places on us. But then the choices that followed that decision, the problem is there are consequences that followed that decision. When you decide to run from the Lord, you can expect some rough water. There's going to be some rough seas. You're going to face some difficult storms. It happens. But why? Why? Isn't God a loving God? Isn't he a good God? I mean, we sing about it. Why would he let us go through these storms? I'm going to tell you why. Because he loves you too much not to come after you. That's why. God loves you. That's why he's chasing after you so hard. 
He cares about you. He cares about your family. And he has a plan for your life. But when we get to chapter 2 and Jonah finds himself in a very dark place, I think in the belly of a fish is about as deep and dark as it gets, right? Let's pick up on Jonah chapter 2, verses 1 through 10. It says, from inside the fish, Jonah prayed to the Lord his God. He said, in my distress, I called to the Lord. And he answered me. From deep in the realm of the dead, I called for help. And you listened to my cry. You hurled me into the depths, into the very heart of the seas. And the current swirled about me. All your waves and breakers, they swept over me. I said, I have been banished from your sight, yet, aren't you thankful for the yet? Yet I will look again toward your holy temple. The engulfing waters threatened me. The deep surrounded me. Seaweed was wrapped around my head. The roots of the mountains I sank down. The earth beneath barred me in forever. But you, my Lord, my God, brought my life up from the pit. When my life was ebbing away, I remembered you. Lord, and my prayer rose to you, to your holy temple. Those who cling to worthless idols turn away from God's love for them, but I, with shouts of grateful praise, will sacrifice to you. What I have vowed, I will make good. I will say, salvation comes from the Lord. And then every 10-year-old's favorite verse in Scripture, and the Lord commanded the fish, and it vomited Jonah onto dry land. Now, the obvious question is, is why did Jonah flee? We know he was a minor prophet. You say, well, it's a minor prophet, less important than a major prophet. No, it's because it's a shorter book, not that he was shorter. Are you guys with me? We're tracking the same place. Okay. But why did he flee? Why did he run? It's because they were evil. They were wicked, man. He didn't want them to be saved. He wanted God to wipe them out. Let me ask you this. Have you ever been around someone that you've poured your life into, that you've tried every way possible to help them, and they just spit in your face? Like you just, you want them to love the Lord so bad, they just keep running. And the choices that they're making, it's affecting people that you love. And you get to a place where you're like, God, take them out. Has anybody ever been there? Many of us probably have been at some place in our life. This is kind of where Jonah was at. He's like, man, they're wicked. I don't want them saved. I want them to pay for their sins. Ever said that to someone before? Listen, the thing that you need to understand here is... And I want you to lean in for a second. The very first time that Jonah made the decision to pray was when he was in the deepest, darkest depths about of death before he ever turned to the Lord. Test me. He didn't pray when God called him to go to Nineveh. He didn't pray when he made the decision to flee he didn't pray when he purchased a one-way ticket. He didn't pray when he entered the boat. He didn't pray when he's in the bottom of the boat fixing to take a nap. He didn't pray when the captain woke him up. He didn't pray when the 
The people on board threw him overboard. He didn't pray. He didn't pray when he was in the sea. He didn't pray when the waves were breaking over him and the seaweeds wrapping around his head. He didn't pray in the middle of the storm. The first time he prayed was right before his life was given. You go, well, this guy's a prophet. He should have prayed first, right? How many times do we do that? I mean, really, my prayer is that God doesn't have to take you to the deepest, darkest depths, narrowing death before you pray to him. But what I am going to tell you is if that's what it takes to bring you to him, I pray that you go. Why? Because a few difficult days is minimal in comparison to eternity. I pray God does whatever it takes to get you to come home to him. Are you guys with me? You know, Scripture tells us that when Jonah got to the deepest place, then he prayed. My question to you is this. What is your then? What is your then? I want you to notice in Jonah chapter 2, it starts with a then and it ends with a then. First then was Jonah's submission. The second then is the Lord's salvation. You have to have this before you get that. You have to get this. You have to have submission before you have the salvation. We want the salvation. We want all of God's attributes. We just don't want to follow the absolutes. What about you? What is your then? But let me give you some great news. Repentance leads to hope. But it has to start with submission. Coming back to what you know God has called you to, submission. Turning away from a lifestyle that you know is not honoring the Lord, submission. Waking up in the darkest place you've ever been. To get back, it takes Submission. I want to ask you a serious question this morning. And my prayer is that this question makes you think a little bit. Are you guys okay with that? The question I want to ask you is this. If today you were arrested for being a Christian, they placed you in handcuffs right here. They escorted you to the patrol car in the parking lot. They carried you to the Faulkner County Detention Center. They took your thumbprints. They took a photograph of you. They gave you an orange jumpsuit. They handed you a pillow, and they assigned you a jail cell. You're given a court date. And now you're on the stand. There's a judge, and there's a jury. The charge is singular. There's only one charge. It's that of being a Christian. Is there enough evidence to convict you? I want you to think about that a minute. Or is the only evidence that's just circumstantial? I just happened to come to church on Sunday. I just happened to serve. You've heard rumor of giving them life, giving their life to Christ. Or if there's enough evidence placed before you that you're convicted of being a Christian.
Aren't you thankful we live in a nation that we don't have to worry about that? Do you know that there are places right now that that's happening? This wrecked me. Because I'm going to tell you what, there was a time in my life when I identified myself as a Christian. But if you look at the evidence in my life, there wasn't enough evidence to convict me. How about you today? You say, well, what kind of evidence are you talking about? I'm just talking about the way you live your life. The way you deal with somebody that doesn't look like you, act like you, talk like you. The way you communicate with your spouse. Men, the way that you talk to your wife. Wives, the way that you honor your husband. How do you respond on the baseball field when an umpire makes a bad call? Do people see Christ in you? The way that you make Sunday morning a priority for your family. The priority you place on being connected and serving. The list goes on and on and on. Now we know we don't get to heaven off of our works. Let me be very clear there. But do people see Jesus in you? That's the real question. Because I'm going to tell you this. I have a very unique perspective as I stand here today. And I'm not going to call you out because I know you wouldn't like that. But as I look around this room, I see Jesus in this room. And so many of you. So many of you. The way that you love people. The way that you serve God. Are you perfect? Absolutely not. But I see Jesus. I want you to ask yourself that question today as you go home. If I was arrested for being a Christian, is there enough hard, cold evidence to be proven guilty beyond the shadow of a doubt? You guys with me? Y'all are quiet. Let me give you some good news. I'm going to spoil it just a little bit, and I'm going to jump ahead. But in chapter 3, in chapter 3, we see that the people of Nineveh, they believed God. They believed God. They didn't just believe in a God. They believed him. These people were more wicked than you. But they made a decision, and they turned from that. Once again, aren't you thankful for God's grace? I know I am. I believe what happened to Jonah is he lost the fear of the Lord. I believe that's what happened. Now, there's many different theologians that would claim different reasons, but I believe the main reason is because he simply lost the fear of the Lord. He lost that reverent awe. Since y'all are so quiet, my pastor um, challenged us in something else this week. And you guys know that the one thing I don't do, I, I don't talk about politics a lot from, from here. And um, I am a conservative. I believe, I, I'm pro-life. I believe that marriage is what a what the Bible says that it is. 
And as a matter of fact, though, I could, I could probably get my point across by not even using political figures, but y'all wouldn't squirm in your seat near as much, and it wouldn't be near as much fun. So we're just going to stick with my original plan. <laughs> but he, he posed a question to us, the pastors. And the question that he asked us was, if I walked out on stage and I was your pastor when Ronald Reagan was president, and I put a picture of Ronald Reagan on the screen, and I said, I want you to pray for our president. Most everyone in this room would bow their heads and pray. Am I right? I mean, I believe most everybody would at that time. Why? Romans 13.1 tells us everyone. Everybody say everyone. Everyone must submit to governing authorities. For all authority comes from God. And those in positions of authority have been placed there, what? By God. Okay. Okay, now let's fast forward a little bit. What if I put George Bush's picture on the screen? Most of you would have prayed, been happy to pray. Fast forward a little more, what about Bill Clinton? About half of you would have prayed, about half of you would have grumbled under your breath a little bit, but you'd have prayed. What about George W.? What about Barack Obama? What about Trump? Y'all feel the tension in the room? Do y'all feel the tension? If I'd have put Trump's picture on the screen, half of you would have got up and cheered, and the other half would have thrown water bottles. Okay, what about Joe Biden? When was the last time that you prayed for your president? I'm going to tell you what, I was convicted around this. I'm a pastor. The Word of God, we either believe all of the Word of God, or we don't believe any of the Word of God. Paul. Let's look at Paul. Paul prayed for Nero. He was wicked. He was evil. He killed his mother. He killed his first wife. He killed his second wife. I hear he had a hard time finding a third one. <laughs> Just rumor. And Paul says, pray for him. He doesn't just say it. He does it. He does it. He ordered the execution of the Apostle Paul and the Apostle Peter, and those are just the headlines. His evil was unimaginable. But he prayed for him. How many of you would have prayed for Nero? Listen, this is not a political message. In fact, I could have said, well, do you pray for Kobe Bryant or do you pray for Michael, J or Michael Jordan? Y'all would have still got my point. My point is we either believe everything the Word of God tells us or we don't believe anything the Word of God tells us. And we have to be a church of prayer. We make it a priority. Our prayer team, they come up here every week. Some of them are in this room. They pray over every prayer card. Before we leave on Sunday, every prayer request, every prayer card that you fill out, before we leave this campus, we pray over those. Before I ever speak a message, my wife and I have prayed over every one of these seats in this chair, in this room. We've prayed for you. Why? It's not because there's anybody here, because it's just she and I. It's because we can't do this without God. And if you have found yourself in a storm, you found yourself in a place that seems like that you've been thrown over the board, over the boat, don't let it 
be when you're at the bottom of the deepest place facing death before you turn to the Lord in prayer. You guys with me? But number three, prayer changes everything. Everything. You know, we need to pray for our nation. We need to pray for our leaders. We need to pray for our schools. Apparently, we need to pray for our third grade classes. Have y'all heard about this? There's this little girl that started back to school this week, and she went in her class, and apparently the classroom had a pet goldfish. And the teacher noticed that the little girl was sad. So she walked over to the little girl at the fishbowl, and little Goldie was upside down. Kind of sad, so she said, oh, I'm sorry, are you okay? And she said, oh, well, um, at least I can say hi to Goldie when I get to heaven. And she says, well, what if Goldie's not in heaven? She said, well, I guess you're going to have to say hi to him because that means he's in hell. <laughs> That's a funny joke. I don't care who you are. It doesn't happen very often. Listen, my prayer for us as a church is that this is the semester that we grow closer in our relationship with the Lord and closer in our relationship with one another than we ever have before. And listen, as, as a Christian, the one thing that we have to be careful of is that we're not walking around with a judgmental spirit. We're not... We're not looking at everyone else's heart, but that we're looking at our own. And if you find someone that you come in contact with and you just, they're just difficult, pray for them. Pray for them. What I've found is it's really hard for me to be bitter towards someone if I'm praying for them more than I'm thinking about the bitterness. It really is. Pray for our president, y'all. Pray for his health. Pray he has a fear of the Lord. Because I don't know about you, but we need God in our country right now. Amen? I want to leave you with a quote from John Maxwell, and then I'll get you out of here. It says, despite Jonah's disobedience, his lack of perspective, his self-righteousness, his wrong motives, and his bad attitude, God never gave up on him. Sometimes God uses us in spite of us. How many of you are thankful for that? Would you bow your heads real quick? I'll pray for you. Thank you for joining us today. If you made a decision for Christ or could use prayer for any area of your life, please let us know. All you have to do is text Greenbrier to 88000 and click on Connect Card. Be sure to join us next week.